Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most informational, educational, and entertaining podcast for auto detailers. Welcome to the community. Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. Hi, my name is Marshall Hill, and I'm your guide as we journey through the auto detailing industry. Today, we are talking to Nick from Vegas Rides. You can find him at Vegas Rides on most platforms, or you can shoot him an email, nick at vegasrides.com. The the best way to get in touch with me is to shoot me a text, but if you really want to get going, you know what? Let's go find us each other on social. Best way. Total Auto Solutions on most platforms, or if you want to send me a text so you can get into Clubhouse, because right now we are also streaming live on Clubhouse, so we will begin to further venture out into the new platform as we already have detailers listening in to the Clubhouse live right now. If you want to get into Clubhouse, shoot me a text, 918-800-1188, and you can find me at Detail Supply App on Clubhouse. Looking for a fun new way of interacting and chatting with young detailers. Nick, uh, as we go into Clubhouse and venture in, as we begin to look, what's your thoughts? How do you think Clubhouse is going to uh, impact the auto detailing industry? That's interesting. Uh, Clubhouse right now has a lot of flaws. You know, we've talked about this before on this podcast. There's a lot of positive that can come from it. There is, you know, some very big negatives on the platform right now. The negatives are guys can just get up there and, you know, talk, 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 talk. You don't know exactly if they know what they're talking about in these rooms and guys get drug into some scam type type of situations. But right now I think uh, clubhouse is interesting. Uh, It's going to be fun to watch what the platform tries to do. As we know, all the big dogs are already involved. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, they're already developing Clubhouse for their platforms. So Clubhouse may just look something different on different platforms. And I, my money would be on Facebook is probably going to be the one that perfects it. Yeah, and it will be interesting to see if Clubhouse will survive, right? If all the yeah. other big dogs come in, uh, you know, will it go the way of others that uh, just didn't quite be able to make it against Zuckerberg? <laughs> 100%. Well, and, and it's also, you know, are you fast enough to fix your flaws, right? It's the same thing with our businesses. Clubhouse has a lot of big flaws right now. The invite thing's kind of strange. People aren't free to join the platform. They're trying to control seems to be the wrong sides of the platform, like worrying about who's on there instead of worrying about if the rooms are good or not, uh, those types of things. So I, I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, this is this is why you do stuff like this, right? You just want to try it out and see what's going on. And uh, it's always a fun time to see where people go from there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, it is the pints and polishing podcast. So <laughs> I'm going to crack open a beer. It's five o'clock somewhere. Uh, big thanks to clown shoes brewery, uh, for sending in another, uh, wonderful beer. This is galactic cake. It's a double IPA. I don't know if you've gotten into double IPAs. I think it just means they put more in it, you know, yeah. <laughs> two I for the price. I, of I'm one. not really great with the single IPA. So mm-hmm. double is probably not, not really what I'm looking for. Yeah, usually it means they've got more hops and more stuff in it, which makes it go to 9% alcohol by volume. Well, it might be five o'clock somewhere, but it'll be bedtime here pretty soon here in Tulsa, I tell you that. 9% is pretty high. That's pretty funny. But it is good. It is good. Uh, You know what's funny? Uh, 
interesting. I want to, I want to ask you some questions because I think it'd be funny what, uh, what comes out of it. Uh, let's start out with what type of tire shine do you use? Do you use a water base or do you use a solvent base? Uh, mine's a water-based. Uh, I've been water-based. If you work in like airport hangers and things like that, where some of my customers' cars are, there's a big safety issue with some of that flooring. Uh, people walking across that working on airplanes, that kind of thing. So I actually have been water-based for a lot of years. I mean, that solvent days, the blue magic days for me are, you know, long gone, probably 15 years, I would say. Oh, you've been using, you've been using water for 15 15- I didn't, I didn't have a choice. There, I, there were places I was doing business that it wasn't allowed. So like that arm, you know, everybody would always call it the armor all shine, you know, that armor all stuff for me, uh, blue magic solvent based. I've been out of it for a lot of years. Uh, when I first got into the business, that's all we used. Uh, but as I went into certain locations where guys were regulated on what they could have on the flooring, I, I was in some type of water based, but the early water-based, I probably would venture to say, Marty, you and I both know, uh, was probably pretty heavy solvent uh, still. It just, they called it water-based, but now the water-based stuff is all I use. Yeah. Uh, segue, I just got a message from Derek at DJ Detail. And he was like, hey, it looks like, just based off the can, it looks like it's going to be a good beer. So <laughs> That's pretty funny. It is a it is a well designed can. Um, yeah, I we've been solvent here for forever, you know, and a lot of stuff we do even at car washes. Car washes are like uh, solvent out there, but yeah. some will want a, a water based, you know, at the end of the tunnel when they're wiping, you know, wiping it on. Detailers here are 50-50 almost. There's still yeah. a ton. And, and a by the way, I would say that's probably based. across the country. I mean, other than people that are in the ultra high end, I think it is split. I mean, it's pretty split. I mean, and again, I don't like a lot of shine. So solvent was never really my thing because I, I hated all the shine even when I started. Uh, the the times have you, the times that I've had to switch, have you had moments where, well, I guess at 15 years you haven't. I've had moments where I've, I had a customer who complained that, uh, you know, we, we did their car inside inside in, in their house, right? That's normal way we typically do it as a waterless detailer. We just do it yeah. right there in their garage. Well, yeah. uh, I guess the guy didn't, you know, move it back and wipe it up and do all that stuff. And when the car was gone, uh, their cleaning lady slipped. Yep. Uh, so, you know, there was an issue with solvent that we had to move that customer over to a water base. But then I've had water-based customers that have said that it flung up and stained the side of their vehicle. So, uh, you know, it, it tire shine well, can be a, tire tire shine is an application mess, right? Like, let's just call it what it is. It's such a mess to apply. Like, you have to really hone in your guys and your skill. If you don't want sling, and this is like not to chase a rabbit here, but it always kind of upsets me when I see people's Instagram stories or whatever. Oh, our tire shine doesn't sling. Well, if I stick it in the tire tread, it's going to sling. Sling was never caused by the tire shine. It was caused by it not being dry, meaning adhered to the tire, or it was applied in a way that it got caught up in a tread of the tire and started slinging on the side. It's always a funny thing when people are like, oh, this tire shine I use doesn't have any sling. I'm like, well, if you stick it in the tire tread, it's going to sling. <laughs> so it's not, a, it's not really about, uh, in, in my 22 years, I've never dealt with massive sling on, on, tire shine because of the process that we use to put it on 
have you have you dealt okay you said you haven't okay i have dealt with it so you have no horror stories i have horror oh stories. i have i have horror stories yeah. like make no mistake there's always horror stories but if somebody follows the proper process of putting tire shine on there Agreed. is no such Agreed. thing as slang all right what's your what you what's your top horror story Oh, my top horror story is, and it actually wasn't that long ago. Uh, <laughs> was it the Porsche that you guys fucked and missed? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. This well, was, they missed I, the back end and slung tire shine no, on the other side. <laughs> this was this was a uh, Toyota Tundra that somebody did for their company in a matte gray wrap. And for those that have never dealt with wrapped cars, wraps can be very, very absorbent to tire slang, tire dressing. Okay, so... We had, in my company, somebody didn't do the proper procedure. There's big knobs on the tires, big tread on the tires. Doesn't doesn't, uh, massage it into the tire or brush it into the tire properly. It's the guy grabs the truck from us immediately. Yeah. So takes it, slings it all over this brand new wrap. Well, the problem is he didn't really notice that he had done it or that it had happened until we saw that truck, I want to say weeks later. And he said, hey, I want you to stop doing tire shine. Well, the problem is that tire shine was baking in the sun. It was baking on his vinyl wrap. I mean, we really had to work to get this stuff out. That was probably my latest horror story and our biggest horror, because it was everywhere. I don't know what my guy did. I, you know, I mean, I was just like, what the hell am I looking at? I mean, it was gray with a bunch of spots just down the side. It was brutal. Uh, but the spots came off? They ended up coming off. We had to... I mean, we kind of had to to do some some work chemically to get them off and mm-hmm. get them out of but the that, wrap. And, yeah, but they came off. That's good. They, so my horror story off. is where those spots don't come off. Oh. Yeah. That is where it doesn't get fun. So for young detailers and any detailer that doesn't know, when when people, well, not people, when brands, when tire manufacturers make a tire, right, they have to put it in a mold. And so they put a special product on called a release agent. Now they put that release agent on so that once everything gets formed, that that tire can be pulled away from the mold. Now it's their job to get all that release agent off of the tire, but not every brand new tire gets properly cleaned and not every brand new tire gets it all the way out. Right? So sometimes when detailers put on tire shine, there's a reaction with that release agent getting pulled from the tire. And when it goes to sling down the side, that release agent actually will stain, right? Stain in such a way that it doesn't come off. You can try and sand, which I did. You can try and buff, which I did. And it does not come off. It eats into the clear coat. That release agent onto oh, clear man. is a bad deal. So uh, I I lost an entire large uh, account that hosted three or four different dealerships uh, because a detailer had sprayed, very similar, sprayed it down, delivered the car, but didn't go through and right. Maybe hadn't degreased the tire well enough because right. it's brand new, right? Wasn't thinking I got to drench it in degreaser. He's just thinking, oh, brand new tire, spray some tire shine on, fluff it up, put it out for the for the customer, which was a dealership. Well, customer bought that car, drove it off the lot, and it 
I think it was somewhere around $5,000 worth of damage in order to replace where had been, you know, essentially they're just going to take the panels off and put all new panels up and down a car. So that product was from Carbride. Carbride said, Hey, we're not, that ain't us. We released a bulletin years ago saying, you know, Hey, this is caused from, you know, the release agent. So I, you know, I presented that to them long story short, they didn't care. Uh, <laughs> they didn't care. I lost the account and then we went, I, I, it was three or four dealerships at one time. And then they had more. I mean, it was about a five or six by the time they're done dealership account that, that went to the wayside because of a uh, bad sling. So uh tire shine can be an issue, right? It, it yep. can cause problems. It, it can, but it's also one of those things that a lot of customers, if done right, boy, there's customers that love tire shine. Love yep. it. Love it. Yep. But what would you pay, right? A gallon. Let's just go with a gallon. If you're gonna buy a gallon worth of tire shine, what are you paying? Uh what we're paying as a company because of the volume that we do is probably anywhere. And this actually, you know, during the last 24 months has really skyrocketed because we used to be able to get it a lot less, as you know. Silicone went up. Yeah. yeah the, the raw the raw material price went through the roof. So yeah. Uh, you know, for us, we're spending anywhere between 28 and 40 bucks a gallon, uh, depending on, you know, product and that kind of thing. But reminder to everybody, I know a lot of guys have listened for close to two years we've been doing this. Uh, I dilute my own. So I buy from a local provider and then I mix my own dressing for my company. I was very unhappy with the dressing market. Uh, so if I can't dilute it, this is one of the great things that I love. Where we're at as as an industry now with Tire Shine, and, and you have one that's like this, is where we no, I was really say, Nick, hey, we got one that you yeah, can we <laughs> we really play we really play into the dilution game in our in my business. You know, we we don't like a lot of shine. We don't have customers that love a lot of shine. We don't work on cars where tons of shine looks good. Uh, you know, low pro tires. I don't think high shine, low pro, pro tires look very good. Uh, you know, Range Rovers don't look good high shine, you know, really the bedrock of our business is not high shine. So we really dilute our own. We play around. I played around for 10 years trying to find things that work for our business. And yeah, I would say anywhere between 28 and $40 is where we have found a reasonable price to pay for a gallon of tire shine. Yeah, I'd say here in Oklahoma, if somebody got charged more than 30 bucks, they would have gotten hung up and strangled to death. They wouldn't even yeah. make it out to the lot, like. But you, but you have some dressings at four at forty bucks that you can dilute four to one. So I mean, you're you're paying what ten bucks a gallon basically, at that point. If you know, so you know you have you have a dilution rate like that with your product. I mean, it's I don't look at it the way some people do. People get really bent out of shape about tire shine cost. I know they do in a lot of parts of the country. Oklahoma evidently is one of them. Uh, you know, but. I mean, Marty, what did you come across recently that blew I mean, your yeah, mind? that's what's funny, right? Like, so <laughs> I, a gallon, right? Just guess a gallon of tire shine. What 60, what would you think, right? 60 bucks seems expensive, right? That's pretty close. 70, $70 for a gallon of tire shine. Ooh, 70. Man. What are you for getting one for seventy gallon. dollars these days? Well, I think they sprinkle a little bit of God's, you know, green, <laughs> green, green gold or something. I don't know. They sprinkle something from uh, up above. They have to, right? Seventy bucks. 
Yeah, seventy bucks is pretty crazy. So what they put on the label? Oh, that it that sprinkle was graphene. Oh, the magic word. The magic By the way, word. Marty, are you going to give me credit? Uh, two years ago, when we started this podcast, uh, just after SEMA 2019, I called that graphene was going to be the, the newest buzzword in detailing. And uh, here we are, uh, $70 tire shine that's graphene infused is pr pretty funny. Uh, what exactly do you need an industrial protectant of rubber uh, in your tire shine? What does that do? And by the way, can it be done? I, I was hoping you had those answers. I didn't go and dissect it. I just, yeah. you know, I'm just scrolling. I just like, what the hell? Yeah. I $70 think it's a, it's, for it's a, a fun time to gallon. have the, the graphene conversation, right? Because we're right in the, right in the beginning of it. I mean, you and I've been doing this long enough. We remember when spray waxes got big. We remember when sealants got big. We remember when the SIO2 boom started to happen. You can always feel the beginning parts of this, right? You can always feel the beginning parts of, of the next wave of the words that people are going to use. And graphene is there. Uh, the problem is, is that as of today, which is basically March of 2021, there is no way to put graphene into a bottle and onto a car's surface in, a, in an effective solution. Uh, it doesn't exist. And the price of graphene that you would want to put into a protective type situation is so outrageous still that you wouldn't be able to get a detailing company to even afford it uh, in most cases. This is kind of the strange thing here is graphene was founded, I believe, in 2004, two scientists. They won the Nobel Prize. That's how big of a discovery it was. 17 years isn't a bunch of time. Uh, to figure out all the big applications of, of, of something like graphene. Uh, and let me tell you, they're still working on how it fits into the massive industrial companies and the military uh, implications of this product. I don't think auto detailing is really high on those lists of let's find ways to use graphene. And I'll kind of leave guys with this. There's all kinds of grades of graphene, but the one that you want that really is the difference maker is called pristine graphene. And pristine graphene is at a price that there is no possible way to put it into a coating and have it be effective. Even they don't know how to do it at this point, but just the price wouldn't actually be affordable. So it's unfortunate kind of watching some companies go down this road, but it's hilarious to watch when you've been around for five minutes and you know exactly where we're headed here. Either this is something that chemistry is going to catch up and graphene is going to be a great product for our industry, or this is something that's going to fizzle out because companies don't know how to put it into a bottle effectively. But anything with graphene on it now is not is not getting the benefits of the actual graphene. I'm not I'm not sure why, but I'll get to that here in a second. Because uh, I mean, there's tons of graphene out there, but let's stay on tires for a second because we're talking tire shine. Like, did you get into the uh, there was that phase for what was that a year and a half? two years ago or so where there was the uh, maybe three years ago uh, where there was the, the tire shine that you could put on that would stay for six yeah, months was, or something. I, I actually, uh, you know, we tested it. I don't yeah, want to say I, I gave it. it. Yep. I don't want to say that I gave it a fair shake. I, I wasn't that concerned with it. I know companies are really fooling around with that more. 
I never got into it. Uh, for some reason, it just, again, because of the shine of it, because of the kind of customers we deal with, it never really was something I felt like I could charge for. And I, it just never fit what we do. So I, I think it's an interesting idea, but there is an example of this idea and it's there and somebody can make it better, but then nobody really chases it to the end of the earth and everything it's going to take to make it effective for everybody. And that's kind of where I think we're going to end up with graphene. Graphene is a, you know, from, from my understanding, and I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but, you know, talking to enough chemists in our industry, graphene is a really difficult thing to get effective levels synthesized down into a bottle where it actually makes a difference on the coating system. I mean, the interesting part for me is, graphene to i'm guessing right i'm literally just guessing that they did that course right as you're going to say buzzword so yeah. no doubt that listen like as you say i mean i think most detailers there are plenty and we'll get into the coatings here in a second but i would think that there would be enough theory in a sense that you would go there can't really be any there can't be graphene in that tire shine right like it's got to just be like, I mean, from what you're saying, industrial, and I mean, for the people that have looked into graphene, even just to just to take a brief moment to look at it, because it's such a buzzword, you're right, that you, you said that, you know, after SEMA 19, like, it has and will continue to be that next kind of buzzword. Now, whether or not it will actually hold, right, uh, will it? get an anchor in the industry or will it just fly by? Like you remember, you talked about waxes. You remember the shakeup waxes that would separate? Oh yeah. And it was supposed to be the, you know, the solution between a spray yep. and then a wax. And it was like yep. that mid, like. And know, they weren't, so I, they never, they never got to a workable solution. I mean, it was yeah. always smeared everywhere yep. and yeah, you know, so it, never, it, it never got workable. It will be interesting to see if that's what happens. I don't, could, I mean, why is my first question? Why as a detailer, am I going to pay $70 for this? And I go, okay, well, that means it wasn't designed for the detailer. Bingo. So I think this was just a, you know, a marketing ploy that they're really selling to DIYers and that detailers, people that are professionally doing it, or even that could mean that they do it part-time and they're, you know, doing it on the side. Either way, that's still a professional. They still are making money at it. I think those guys, gals, those detailers know, right? There's just no, there really is just no reason for it, in my opinion, right? In yeah. my opinion, uh, I, there's, I just, I can't imagine. Now, in a year, Nick, if I've got a, a graphene tire shine, you go, Hey Marty, remember that? I'm mean, like, Hey, you know, technology eventually. Oh yeah. And, technology and eventually works. You know, I don't hey, know. That's, that's it, why I time. That's why I time stamped this in March, 2021. We're, we're where we're at. That's all. Yeah. I mean, could we in three years advance behind uh, beyond that? Sure. Um, but you know, with coding systems, the way they are now with SIO two really being at its best performance, than it's ever been, right? I mean, we're really in a great spot with SIO2. And I, I don't know why we need to to not work more on SIO2, because I think it could get better. Uh, you know, you still have multi-layer and a bunch of coding systems that are <laughs> are, are, are beh behind the times. And so yeah. I don't think we need to jump into graphene. That's what people are going to do. I do think the DIY market is influencing 
the 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 companies as to 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 do this type of thing. You know, would we have seen this 15, 12 years ago? No, probably not. I mean, this is now the DIY market flooding into the detailing world a little bit, and it is what it is. But you know, Marty, I was a little bit interested in something. You know, I don't want to go too long today, but I want to make sure that we bring this up. You had a hell of an interesting conversation last week about coatings and the business of coatings and and a great episode that you put on with a, with a few different people. And I was just wondering coming out of that, you know, some of your thoughts, you know, uh, what did you feel like going into that conversation and coming out of that conversation? You know, where are you at? You know, you know, not to change subjects too quickly, but I didn't want to go too long today. So I'm just kind of interested where you see, you know, sort of the side of the story that was told last week. Well, yeah, I mean, well, because that's so I wanted to talk about, you know, graphene coatings and the intermixing of SIO2. Like, is is graphene going to overtake? And it seems like there's people that are starting to come out with these spray type graphenes and there's a lot of theory and question marks, you know, inside the groups, will graphene overtake SIO2? And I get messages from our installers that say, hey, man, you looked at graphene. And I go, yeah, it's just not ready yet, man. I'm just just not no. there. We're, we're just not there. And so they're just happy to go back. And we've had detailers that have tested our CC105 right up next to somebody that comes in with a graphene coating. Their graphene coating just doesn't perform like the like our SIO2, um, you know, yep. which is a, a, a standard for, for us as a business, is our uh, CC105, the single layer slayer. You know, we're a composite-based coating. Um, we, we try and help uh, minimize time and minimize effort. And so inside our uh, CC105, it is our flagship. It's our big boy. It's our three-year guaranteed product. And we offer it for free right? Free training, free, you know, free, uh, the, the thing that kind of was a big thing last week was territory, right? Like yep. when, when detailers will, will buy a training, right? So we offer free training and we say, Hey, you can get this for, you know, just, you just need to know how to apply it. You're a yep. business owner, you know, you can, yep. you can manage your own shit, right? So yep. manage your own shit, get the stuff. You don't have to come pay X amount of dollars and, and get some training. We actually do our training for free. So we had a really interesting discussion with another brand that 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 charges. Now he's, you know, we don't want to go into it, but you know, roughly when he said he'd get about ten people in and eight hundred dollars. I mean, he's eight thousand dollars. Wow. In a training, and we do it That's for a- free. So it, you know, it we. Yeah. We, we are trying to see the point of where we bring graphene in, but it's just not there yet. What was crazy about last week was to hear those kind of numbers and then to say, you know, we don't make any money at training, like training is yeah. nothing, you know, but $8,000 for somebody that, that charges for training, but says there's no profit. I, you know, it, it wow. did create a moment. It was, it was, uh, it, it was really interesting to, to hear the, the differences, but that's why we have community, right? That's yeah, why we I have agree. open dialogue so that, you know, if somebody wants to charge $8,000 for training, they get to tell their story and why they do it. You know, I don't, yeah. have you ever paid? I mean, I haven't paid. I, I got, when yeah. I got a, a, a multi-layer, which you're right, is old school. It's out of date. You know, there's so many other yeah. single layer options. Like why would a detailer do that? I get it. Yeah. But you know, have you ever had to? Cause I didn't. No. Uh, I think, you know, for me, I, I 
you know, I want to talk about it from the detailer's perspective. And sometimes I don't think that happens on conversations like that, um, where, right. you know, companies are defending themselves and, and then the detailer doesn't get to tell their story. So I want to make sure everybody knows this is just my side of the story, my side of being a detailer. Elite companies and companies of any type of size don't get charged for training. They don't go to training. They don't get required to do training. And I'll go to SEMA 2019 as the example, since we're using it today. I got sent, Marty, you've actually seen this. So I have proof of this. I've sent you photos of all the bottles of coating that I've received after SEMA. It's every flagship coating that's ever been built. I never asked for it. I never paid for it. I never said I'd bring your product on. I literally just talked to somebody at the booth. They took down all my stuff. They sent me a bunch of stuff. I have thrown away gallons and gallons and gallons of product over the years. The next thing is because companies know I can move coding, they're not going to tell me to come to a learn to wipe something on. They just want me to move product for them. And so for all the detailers starting their career or in the middle and they're looking for solutions and companies to work for, know that elite level companies aren't doing training. Now, Marty, you may go to their shop and demo your product for an hour at your cost, not yeah, theirs. Yeah. Um, and, and all companies would do that. Hey, yeah, if you want to, man, if you want to come show my guys your stuff, we'll bring your stuff in, you know, stop by for an hour, show us how to wipe it on, show us, you know, little tricks of the trade with yours, but it's an hour or two. And I can tell you the elite level guys aren't sitting there in that training. Maybe they're entry-level guys or people are trying to get caught up to speed that they're hired or whatever. Uh, so I don't think that part of the story has actually been told. The next part of the story that I think is very interesting is this talk of territory. Um, the territory thing is interesting because I don't think people know how hard it is to get exclusivity of any product in the world. It's really tough. Okay. It's not just coatings. Anything you try to do in your business to get exclusive rights to something that you don't own, Marty, come on. I mean, it's not going to happen. And here's, let me explain everybody the real simple way to look at this. I have a guy here that does business with one of the big coding companies. That coding company has been trying to get me to do business with them since that guy was brought on in an exclusive deal, supposedly. If I turn the switch on and say, I want to use your product today, he would get dumped. They would tell him his exclusivity, quote unquote, his exclusivity deal is over. Why? Because I'm going to move three or four times the amount of bottles as he is. It's a business decision. It's not their fault, but it is their fault that they're not really telling him the whole story. The story is the way you get quote unquote exclusivity is be the person that moves the most coding in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Then you can have exclusivity to Tulsa, Oklahoma, because nobody can beat you. Same goes in PPF. The same goes in all kinds of different places in the automotive business. But the story of exclusivity for those of you guys that are thinking about that, if you don't have massive attorney fees, if you don't have people looking over massive documents, if you don't have any of those types of things, you're not getting exclusive to anything. Because Marty, you've seen exclusive deals get done. And it ain't so easy. And there's minimum orders and there's minimum dollars that have to be spent. And if those dollars aren't spent, guess what? They're going to come after you for that 50000 you didn't spend. Exclusivity deals are made to be some type of joke because I think guys 
companies want to be able to get out of them. Like, oh yeah, we'll give you the exclusive deal. Yeah, yeah. Because they want to be able to break that exclusive deal. People trying to do an exclusive deal, there's going to be attorneys involved. There's going to be a lot of paperwork involved and a lot more than you just attending some training. So that's what I wanted to share from a detailer's perspective who isn't just trying to get their career started, which I know a lot of guys are. It's easy to fall into some traps and it does feel like that part of our business has a lot of traps set for guys to fail. It definitely. And that was, that's what we talked heavily and it was interesting, the different perspectives from people of, well, what we consider a scam and what's not a scam. I've just, you know, from my perspective here of detailers in Oklahoma that have just myself gotten a territory and then months later, suddenly somebody, oops, sorry, accidentally somebody got in. Well, listen, I was moving product. I had nothing to do with that. Right. They just, Oh, let's just bring somebody else in. Right that guy's not with them anymore. There's about 10 other detailers that have gone in and out of that company. Then they always just seem to find somebody else. And then a detailer seems to go find somebody else. So I think the whole thing's a fucking scam. And I think it's a really interesting thing that is done to our industry. And instead of pushing detailers to go, you know, get customers to have their cars clean, they're more worried about if I can put this guy's banner on my wall and, put up some image on my Facebook profile because they tell me I got to do it to go to SEMA. Wow. You know, it just, to me, brands <laughs> are taking away from detailers more than they are actually helping them. And there's a lot of detailers that are turning their wheels, spinning and losing because they're drinking that Kool-Aid and really just getting taken advantage of. So it, it is sad. It really is sad for a lot of people. Um, you know, but hey, Marty, is what can it I is. ask you a question? Can I ask you your opinion on something? Because I think this is interesting. There was kind of a, a moment in the conversation that I think is going to get blown over by a lot of people, but I think it's an interesting question. Um, there was basically a comment made that if detailers didn't have ceramic coatings, essentially the professional detailer wouldn't know how to exist in business today. Uh, which was part of that conversation you had. It was it was something that was alluded to, like you know, this is now some type some type of backbone of our business as professionals. And you talk to a lot of people. I know a lot of business owners. Uh, do you agree with that sentiment that we're now in a place where ceramic is the backbone for the professional detailer, or do you think? That's just something people are trying to say to say, this is why you should spend money with the training because this is the backbone. If you want to go to the next level, you know, that, that, that old school sales dog kind of mentality of, you know, you know, what, what were those commercials that used to be on TV at late at night? You know, we're just going to save your life with some type of product. You know, it doesn't matter. We're going to make your kitchen life better. We're going to, it come just has down. that. Yeah. Yeah. Come on down. Just has that vibe to it. And I thought that comment, which I know is going to be overlooked, really stuck out to me as this, this idea that ceramic companies feel they're so important that if they went away, we'd all stink. And, uh, mm. you know, I think that's a really strange thing to hear in a conversation. And I heard it. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't think that's the backbone of our business. The mm. backbone of our business is cleaning cars, polishing cars, protections a part of the business. Um, and I still know guys that use sealants and, you know, wash and wax guys that make six figures 
uh, you know, we know guys that exist in this business that don't touch a ceramic product. And, and matter of fact, some of the most successful people that I know are really simplistic business operators. So I found it interesting. So I just wanted to see where you came out on that when that kind of happened in the conversation. Yeah, I, it, the conversation moved really quickly throughout. So, you know, I didn't really get a chance to talk about that. It, it did. I remember hearing it and went, well, that's, that's an odd way of thinking. Oh, you must have only been in business the past five plus year, right? The past four to five years, right? Exactly. Anybody that has created a product business over, let's just call it the past 10, but 10 stretching it. Uh, because at 10 years, I didn't, I'm at 10 years and I didn't have a, a coding to start out with. I came out with coatings in 2016, which was still years before many others. Um, and so let's just say if you started, right? Let's just say yeah. you started a company five years ago. The only thing you know is coatings. So their only perspective in the industry is to sell a coating. Has nothing to do with all the other aspects that go into it. Their whole business model is nothing but trying to sell a product and sell you a territory and sell a training that it's got scam written all over it because when they make statements like that and say that you can't live without them. I, That's weird. I could go right now, do mobile detail, get 75 bucks for a car and it's an express service and I'm in and out with under an hour. What, what do I need to put a coating on for? I mean, there's, there's plenty of ways to grow a business without coatings, but because it's been such a hot item and it has, it is an evolution in our industry. There is no doubt coatings have changed our industry, but the, the small mindset of companies who are, only ceramic coating companies and they really offer very little else to a detailer i i understand why a simple mind would think like that but for overall through detailing industry no there's there's so much more a detailer needs to know and needs to be able to do because you know listen we we see all the time i think you and i saw a post where you know you got a guy that's talking about a certain coating and he's spraying it and it's like flying all over the place and it's trying to go on this little applicator. And it's like, wait, did that get and, on? Like, did and, that and coding so company really, <laughs> did that coding company really think about that moment of applying a product to a car by having somebody spray from six to 12 inches away and have all this stuff go all over? Well, that's just not practical. So that just means that that company really doesn't have a, a knowledge and an understanding of what's best for the industry and what's best for a detailer, because there's no way that that should be what their main thing is to help a detailer. It really hurts a detailer a lot more than it helps them. Yeah. It, it, you know, like I said, it, it, it's just a part of the conversation. I, I don't want to take things out of context. I want to make sure that we're fair and I want to make sure that, that, that I celebrate what took place and what has been taking place the last couple, couple months where we've seen people, you have the IDA podcast, you have people now coming up and understanding that nobody's trying to take a shot here. Okay. What we're trying to do is encourage people to come on and tell the story. This is why we do it. This is our belief system. This, I want to applaud that. I thought last week was really cool. I thought it was great to hear perspective, but I thought that, like you said, there was some limited view of 
how the business really works. And, and I'm going to leave detailers with this thought so we don't beat a dead horse. But I want to send a red flag for all the young guys out there and the detailers starting an actual detailing business. The training part of our industry, not just ceramic coating, but training as a whole has a really, really big red flag to it. And that red flag is this, the remember when red flag. I used to red flag. I used to have a business with 75 employees detailing cars and we turned out 5,000 cars a week. I, you just got to trust me on that. Here's the problem. There's no proof. There's no proof a lot of times when you look into these guys. Not saying everybody. But the red flag is the remember when and I used to do something. What doesn't happen in American business flat out is people don't sell or don't shut down, excuse me, don't shut down successful businesses. They either sell them for lots and lots of money or they continue to operate them even if they're involved in a limited basis. So I want young detailers to take that in mind that if somebody tells you I'm running a training company or I put on training for my chemical company and I used to do something and I swear I was super successful at it, always ask the same question. If you had a business making lots of money today, as you are starting your business, would you shut it down? You might sell it for lots of money, yeah. but every it's time I ask one of these, yeah. yeah. So every time I ask one of these people, can you point me to where that business is today? Uh, 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 uh. And there's just a lot of coughing, a lot of pause. And this isn't my opinion on things. This is every successful business owner's opinion on things. That when you have a successful business, you don't just shut it down. You don't get quote unquote tired of it because making lots of money doesn't get tiring. You might sell it because you're bored with the business. Yeah, that's, that's, but you would sell it for lots of money. And so I want you would people think to remember people that. would say that, right? You would think they yeah. would say, well, I built it and sold it. No, we just hear of, oh, I used to run a, a business. I used to yeah. detail uh, and uh, I've been uh, detailing uh, for so many years. Yeah. I have a successful business. Folks, one day I'm going to be done with it and I'm going to sell it. I'm telling everybody this right now. I am going to sell it. I've had offers to sell it because people know I run a successful business. And if I go on to something else, you know what words I'm not going to use? Remember when I used to run a successful business? I ran a successful business and I sold it for lots of money. This is why you should listen to me. That should be what you hear from people. But magically in our industry, in the training side of things, you don't hear that. And so everybody getting their start, I want you to just, this is, doesn't make me right. Okay. I'm not trying to say that I'm right on this. I'm trying to say, this is something I think people should pay attention to. And it's something that I think is really red flag worthy of when I would stop listening to people. Um, me personally now being, you know, 10 years into business ownership and 22 years into this industry. So it's just something that I want people that I don't, I've never put out there. I've never said on this podcast, but I wanted to make sure that I did uh, in this context. And Marty, I'd wanted to say, I really enjoyed last week's conversation. I think everybody did a great job. I think the guys that were on there were thoughtful. And I think it's important for things like that to continue to happen on this platform. Agreed. Uh, open dialogue, open discussion is what we hope for. And it doesn't matter who they are. We'd like to have everybody come on. And you're right. I might have gone a little bit right there and kind of was throwing out some stuff that kind of did irritate me. And, you know, <laughs> if 
you know, if, if anybody wants to come back on and defend themselves, that's fine. Whatever. I, I didn't mean mm-hmm. it that way. So, but, you know, yeah. I appreciate you pointing that out. I, I wasn't trying to go there. I just got a little bit, uh, a little fired bit excited. Up. Yeah. A little yeah. bit fired up. Uh, so let's, uh, let's close down here today uh, because we've got some people over on, um, on clubhouse. Uh, Jeremy has raised his hand, wants to ask some questions. So we're going to move this uh, Jeremy Logie, uh, who is out of Hawaii. He's a fireman out of Hawaii that details also. So uh, we're going to hop over to clubhouse and continue this conversation. So once again, anybody that uh, is listening that would love to join clubhouse, shoot me a text 918-800-1188. And uh, I can get you an invite sent over. Nick, thank you again for your time. And uh, we will see you next week, uh, helping young detailers. But right now we're going to hop over to clubhouse and uh, keep going. Thanks, Marty. All right, man. episode over leave us a review and we will see you on the community pub wednesday nights at 7 30 central the zoom meeting id is 918-800-1188 that's the community pub wednesday nights 7 30 central the zoom meeting id is 918-800-1188 grab a pint and enjoy